excited for our next guests to join the podcast. We have the founders of Sesh Coworking. It is a community of women, as I like to describe it, that get together and um, they bounce ideas off each other. They support each other uh, during their entrepreneurial journey. Um, it's a place you can go and get some work done have some coffee, balance ideas of other people, um, and get about your day. They have kid-friendly hours. It's one of the best communities I've ever joined, and I've met the best people. And Maggie and Meredith are joining me today. Uh, Maggie is one of the co-founders of Sesh Coworking. Uh, Maggie was uh, a New Yorker like me and moved to Houston and needed to find a community to connect with and get to know women that were like-minded like her, and she met Meredith. I'm going to let you, Maggie and Meredith, tell your own stories because I think that's more valuable. Um, Maggie, do you want to start with how you got started and met Meredith and a little bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. So I moved to Houston, gosh, it's almost two years ago now, from New York. I had been a jewelry designer for about 10 years. And when I moved to Houston, I was kind of looking for a place to put uh, my jewelry studio. And I didn't want to be necessarily in a shopping center by myself or in an office building because I didn't feel like my jewelry line fit either one of those things. And in my hunt, I found Girl Sesh, which was this pop-up co-working community that Meredith had started, um, let's see, three years ago, Mayor, now? Uh, yeah. Actually, we just had our three-year anniversary, and with all this craziness of the virus, I didn't even think twice about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I found it on Instagram. I started attending the coffee and co-working sessions, and... I kind of started to hear the story from Meredith that she wanted to develop a brick and mortar co-working space uh, that was female focused. And with my background in community building from having founded a chamber of commerce up in New York, I felt like this was kind of like an organic path for me to take. So um, I asked to be her business partner and she said, yes. (laughs) That's so amazing. I mean, that's what we need. Lots of girl power, woman power, and we need to stick together. Meredith, tell me how you started uh, Girl Sash and uh, what what possessed you to take this project on because it's so amazing um, and it's growing to a huge community of women and everybody wants to be in your space. So tell me how you started it and what motivated you to do it. Yeah, I love that question on what possessed me to do it because I don't know, sometimes I think to be an entrepreneur, you must be a little possessed with something. I don't know what it is, but (laughs) um, yeah. So, um, I, while I'm a native Houstonian, I was, um, my husband and I were 
transferred to the San Francisco Bay Area. And we, we were living out there. Um, we were there for about six years. And after I had my first daughter, I was working in the wine industry. And after I had my first daughter, I found myself as a stay-at-home mom and got a little antsy. And that's being mild with it. So that set me off on a bit of an entrepreneurial journey where I ended up trying a lot of different ideas and a lot of different things. I'm kind of trying to find what I wanted my passion, what was my passion and what did I want it to be. Um, and through that journey, I discovered the concept of co-working, which was, this would have been about 2013. So it was pretty new out there, even on the West coast. Um, and I just thought, wow, this is such a great idea. This makes a lot of sense, especially out in the Bay area where, um, rental prices are just insane as they are Mags knows in New York. Um, but it was more than that to me. And I, I could really see that benefit because I had been experiencing so much loneliness and isolation, not only being a new mother, but also in this business journey that I was on, I wanted to ask people questions. I wanted to get their, get their critiques. I wanted to find resources and it's, that's just a big task to take on your own. So I kept swirling this awesome idea of co-working in my head. And, um, we found out we were moving back to Houston not long after that. And I was so excited because I knew that this is what Houston needed. And so we moved back, got settled. And, uh, when my youngest was about eight months old, nine months old, I started planning how I was going to do this, what felt like a monumental task at the time. Turns out, you know, it's just baby steps one day at a time, but, um, yeah, that's, that's how it set into motion. I love that. So anybody listening would say, okay, co-working space, whoop-de-doo, there's hundreds of them. What makes her so different? Um, because anyone can go into any city nowadays and find a co-working space that works for them. So why sesh and what's, what would make me want to join uh, your co-working space? Yeah, well, I think what makes us so different is our community. And I would say that, you know, if you are searching for a co-working space, no matter what city you're in, what area you're in, um, definitely going into the space, touring it, getting a feel for the vibe of the space and the type of industries that are working in the space. Um, and then also meeting some of the people there. And that's a, how you can determine what makes each co working space different because we are all a little bit different. But I think in our case, in Sesha's case, we're a lot different. And we're a lot different because the entire space has been designed by Maggie and I and other people on our team, but all from the, the female perspective and the female experience. So we have, as you mentioned, you know, something as small as having child-friendly hours. Most co-working spaces are going to feel extremely corporate. Not most of them, I guess, but just a lot of them are going to Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. This is real life. It happens. It totally Keep does. And I, <laughs> I, I don't even know how that... I have it all turned off, so I'm obviously. <laughs> it's okay. We had a doorbell ring in one of the one of the episodes. It was awesome. 
So keep going. <laughs> Anyways, so um, yeah, having child-friendly hours, um, you know, most co-working spaces are going to, they have a vibe that lends people to think maybe bringing their kids in wouldn't be the best idea. And we want to kind of knock that idea, throw it out the window, um, let women know that no matter what stage in life or stage in business or stage in career they're in, that it is welcome in our space. Um, that's just one way. And I'm, we have, we need to keep talking about this forever, honestly, because no, totally. And I'm a member. So, I mean, I, absolutely love going there. You know, we can't leave sometimes where I'm just like so happy to be in that space. It's very calming and it's very productive. You would think, so someone like me who has always worked remotely everywhere. I mean, I'll work in my car, I'll work anywhere, but I find myself most productive in my own home office. And so I was hesitant to try any kind of co-working space until I joined yours and I have to tell you, it made me so productive because instantly my mind shifted to, okay, you're here to get work done. And I would get more work done in an hour than I would get done in four hours at home because you don't have those traditional distractions um, at your co-working space, but it's still so comfortable. You have couches and you have tables that you can relax, have a cup of coffee, take a little break and then get back to work. So I appreciate that space so much. And thank you for explaining that. Um to the people listening because they can't see it, but they will be able to check it out on your website and see some pictures if they need to. Um, and then Maggie, so I wanted to ask you a question. When people are going on an <laughs> Yay, home life. Yeah. Um, hello, are you there? I'm here. Hi. So when you when people are going into on onto their entrepreneurial journey and they've worked office jobs forever and ever and ever. And they have decided they've had enough and they want to start their own business or do their own thing. And you're a jewelry designer as well. So you've always been an entrepreneur or maybe I'm wrong about that. Do you think everyone is born to be an entrepreneur is the number one question. So you can answer that first and then I'll ask you the second part. Okay. Um, no, I don't think so. Um, that's kind of like asking if everyone is born to be a leader. You know, I think that some people are an entrepreneur for life. Maybe I'm one of those people. I don't know. Um, and I do think that there can be like entrepreneurial spirit. Um, but I think being an entrepreneur really takes a lot of patience, especially in trying times like this. I think it takes a lot of creativity and ability to pivot and tenacity and grit because about the time you think you're on the up of the roller coaster, the bottom of the roller coaster falls out from under you. And um, to be able yep. to persevere those things is very trying. Okay. No, that's a great um, answer because I think people there's just been there's been there's been an uptick of people wanting to be entrepreneurs and trying it out and they've figured out that it's not for them but I do feel society is like pushing this agenda lately and I really don't think everyone's meant to do that because the mental 
trauma, honestly, I don't even know how to describe it, that comes with doing your own thing and having your own business is, is you have to be a very strong person mentally and really feel passionate about what you're doing. So my second question then is if they do have that entrepreneurial itch in them and they feel like this is what they want to do, even if they've worked in corporate their whole lives, because we are trained as I hate to say as women, but as in society to be worker bees, like go and get a job and then maybe you could save up money and then maybe you can start a little bakery or whatever. When, when they do have that itch and they suddenly are sitting there and they don't feel happy anymore, what steps, specific steps should they take if they do want to start their own business? Well, I think definitely joining a place like Sesh Coworking is a step in the right direction because then you can get the real life feedback from other women who have maybe experienced those same feelings that you have having that nine to five corporate job and venturing out. Um, but you can also see what everyone else is doing, whether that's a stationary person or someone, you know, selling essential oils or a Pilates studio or an architect, um, and just kind of really hone in on what you want your path to be and what it should look like because everybody's life and work situation, um, is different. It's not a one side. I love that. Just find a community and see if it's working for you and then kind of take baby steps and go from there. Yeah. And then Meredith, I have a really good question for you. So you're a mom of two girls who are super adorable by the way, and wear tutus. Um, if you're, two girls grew up and they were 18 and they said, you know what, mom, I don't want to go to college. I want to be an entrepreneur like you. And I have this really great idea. I'm going to start my own business and I don't need to go to school to learn that. What advice would you give them? Oh, you're hitting me with the tough stuff right off the bat. Oh my gosh. Okay. Shania, I, I've honestly thought about this a lot. (laughs) Um, And I don't know, I might be kind of like shamed in the entrepreneurial world for saying it, but I think I would really encourage them to still go to college because a lot of the leadership experience that you can get, um, that's needed for running a business, you get a little mini test run in college. I know it's an expensive test run, so it's not the only way. But I had a really great college experience. I did not go to business school. I My degree was in middle school math and science education. And I taught. And then obviously from there, I mentioned before that I was in the wine industry. So I'm a classic like career butterfly person. Um, but a lot of the leadership experience that I think you need to kind of have that grit that Maggie was saying that you need to have as an entrepreneur. I, I got from, from college, from school. It, it also, you know, I did meet my husband in college, so I'm a little biased, like, Oh, if I hadn't gone, I wouldn't have met Drew. Uh, but obviously there's a lot more. That's a very like stereotypical one dimensional way to look at school. There's a lot more to it than that, of course. But um, yeah, I think I would still really encourage them to, to go to school, um, and continue on. Plus it just gives you options. You know, we all need options. I mean, we're sitting today 
talking from quarantine in our house. And, you know, you need to have the tools in your life experience, if you can, to be able to pivot whenever you need to pivot. Okay. Got it. So what, so then my other, um, question for you, Meredith would be when someone has an idea and they're like, Oh, this is amazing. This is great. I'm being an entrepreneur is the best idea ever. How do you know when an idea is a good idea to start a business with? How do you know when your idea is a good idea, whether or not you should pursue it? Um, you've got to start market research. You've got to get in a place where you can do some market research because your your customer, your potential client, they're the only ones who are going to tell you if your idea is good or not. You know, we could we can pitch our idea to um, guys all day long, and they can tell us yay or nay. But at the end of the day, if they're not our ideal market, then it's not going to help us. So with Sesh, um, basically how I started was I wanted to know if people were even interested in co-working and basically just working alongside each other. And so I started a meetup group on meetup.com and it was a very tiny investment of time and money. And I just started putting it out there and seeing what the reaction was. And luckily it was positive. But, um, you know, there were other ideas I had tried in the past and, you know, instead of going all in necessarily jumping full force, sort of dip in my toe and kind of see the reaction of people is the idea selling or, or is there momentum behind it? And before there wasn't, but with Sesh there was. Okay. So you're saying if someone has an idea, start testing in small bits and see if you get any responses before you go full throttle and blow all your money on your genius business idea. Oh yeah, absolutely. You have to know if your client or your ideal audience even wants what you're selling. And then Maggie, so from an artist perspective, cause you make beautiful jewelry that everyone has to go check out when you ha- when your passion is jewelry and you know it's beautiful and you know people are going to buy it. Do you need proof of concept or do you, do you do the same thing? Do you start making small pieces and see if there's any interest or do you really just do it for yourself as a hobby? And if it sells, it sells. Um, so oddly enough, I did both. Um, my bread and butter was in custom pieces. So clients would come to me and design um, one of a kind pieces with me the fun stuff that I made was handmade uh, couture pieces from like vintage and fabric. Um, and those were kind of like runway fashion pieces. And those were more of the fun stuff where I really got to, you know, let my creativity kind of um, go hog wild. <laughs> um, so I think as a creative you got to, you know, know what that balance is. Like the part that I might really want to do might not be where my bread and butter is. So I have to do the, the right thing for my business and go with making pieces for clients. Um, they might not be pieces that I would wear, but as long as the clients are happy and they're wearing them and they love them, that's all that matters. 
Okay. No good answer. So I think it's different in every field. It's like, if you find like a massive passion for doing something, I think for me, I always tell people do it no matter what, but don't quit your day job until you start making money from it. Because if it's a hobby and you absolutely love, I don't know, baking and everyone's asking you for recipes and you're baking all the time and then they suddenly start buying your stuff, then maybe it becomes a side hustle until it becomes a full-time hustle. But I don't know about going gung-ho, quitting, opening a bakery. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm also like that. I'm kind of a realist. I'm a dreamer, but I'm also a realist in that point, in that part. Cause I just, I don't believe in just going full throttle and being like, Oh, well, at least I learned a lesson and lost all my money. It's like, I don't know if you, that was a good thing to do. Do you guys agree, Meredith? Do you agree? It's like, you do you go full throttle and go all in because there are companies that are massive now that are huge, that are worth billions of dollars where someone just went all in on it and they were successful. So what is that secret formula of determining what company will be super successful and which one won't? And so that's a two part question. So that's number one. Number two, during this pandemic, which companies are going to come out on top of this and why? Mm. Well, um, you know, I don't think there is a secret formula. Um, there's a reason why businesses like that are called unicorns because they're incredibly rare. And I think that I stand by the attitude that, you know, fail hard and fail quickly and get those, get those mistakes out of the way as soon as possible. So you can get to the good stuff because you're going to make mistakes when you're opening a business, you're going to learn even mistakes that are you know, I, I almost hate to use the word mistakes because sometimes it's just like trying something like, well, let's see if this works. And if it doesn't work, great, we'll switch to this. You're doing a lot of that. And, uh, you know, we've not had our space open as long as the, the business itself has been active. But I imagine that the longer we are open, we're, it's going to keep happening. You know, you're going to keep trying different ideas and constantly evolving. Well, and I think, um, I think also that this pandemic is a perfect example of that. You know, this, there was no global pandemic in our business plan. Um, not in mine either. (laughs) Right. And I don't, I don't to to the second part of your question, you know, who's going to survive. I, I, I don't know. You know, it depends. I think ultimately it depends on how long this goes on. Do you think it's going to be for me as I've been watching all of this go down? I really think it's going to be the people that are quick to adopt technology and to figure out different ways of running their business that isn't so dependent upon foot traffic because foot traffic is decreasing. It's, it's, it's inevitable that online sales are increasing, right? So for me, it's a little bit of being able to embrace technology and really starting to take some lessons or learning how to use these new forms of technology that are out that are there to help your business. I don't know if you guys agree with me. Yeah. You know, I think so, but I also think that God, if there's one thing we're all realizing right now, it's how much we need other people in our lives as we're sitting here quarantined and isolated and, you know, lonely and stuck with kiddos who also feel the same way because they miss their friends and their routine. And, 
getting out of the house. Um, you know, I, yes, foot traffic may be down for some services and, and uh, retail shops, but I really believe that the co-working industry is going to come out on top because People are going to be like, my God, I love flexible work, but I cannot be in my house 24-7. Absolutely. I feel like, listen, I don't have children. Bless all of the people that are raising our future leaders of America. But I, my husband and my dogs drive me insane to the point where I need to go and work in, at Sesh Coworking. So I can't imagine, and there's nothing, it doesn't say anything about you. It's just like a change of environment brings about creativity for me. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So my next question is, you guys know some really great people, right? You have a really great circle of people around you. And I'm not just going to say women because it's men as well. And your husbands, of course, contribute to that. How do you meet these great people? Where do you go? I know Sesh Coworking is definitely number one hub spot to meet some awesome, awesome people. But if someone is moved, has moved to a new town like Maggie did two years ago or Meredith when you came back, how do you meet great people that are like-minded? Well, I mean, having started a chamber of commerce and got that up off the ground running and coming to a new city that I had never lived in before, I have to say networking, networking, networking. You have to dip your toe in every flavor of networking that there is because that's the only way you're going to find your people, you know? And sometimes it might take a couple times, you know, going to the same happy hour with the same group before you're like, okay, they're not my thing. Or, oh my gosh, these are my people, you know? Um, How do you build up the courage, Meredith, when you're at a networking event and you're, you know, I spoke to Jess Hughes, obviously of Citizen Pilates. She's going to be on one of the episodes, but she's a very boisterous. She's a very, you know, she's just one of those people that comes up to you. She's like, hi, I'm Jess Hughes. How do you, as a person that, maybe wasn't raised to speak up that much or is really trying to come out of your shell. How do you come to a networking event and what do you say to even meet the right people instead of just standing there and taking a whole bunch of like real estate agents cards? <laughs> you know, I think you speaking from being an extrovert myself, but um, you know, needing to build up that confidence. Once you start going, it's like anything else. Once you start going, you start talking to people you just get used to it. It's not scary anymore. But in the beginning, I would say, you know, take a deep breath and just remember that most people feel really stupid at networking events. It's really hard to be relaxed and, you know, knowing that you're about to walk up and put yourself out there in front of a bunch of people. So most people feel awkward. So just recognizing that and just walk up to somebody. It's totally okay to interrupt a conversation or be, or come into a group of people who are talking and be like, Hey, can I join? Can I, can I join in on the conversation? I'm Meredith because it's like, everybody just kind of feels, gets that awkward feeling. Um, so yeah, I would just say, take a deep breath. If you need to have a few sips of wine, that's okay. And, you know, just, just say, Hey, I'm Meredith. What do you do? Tell me about yourself. I think it's also good if you can ask people about themselves. Don't just come in and be like, I'm Meredith. I'm the co-founder of such co-working and blah, 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 blah. But you know, I'm Meredith and what do you do? Tell me, tell me your story. 
that helps. Also. I love that. I love tell me your story. Cause it's, it just, it becomes about them and they're going to tell you. And then as Maggie said, if they're not your people, they're not your people, you know, but where, so speaking of networking events, Maggie, I've been to a couple with you and yep. they were always like super amazing. Cause you go to really great ones. Where do you find these really great events? Cause again, I'm, I was new in town a while ago. I mean, I've been here for over five years, but there was a point, you know, uh, Google's amazing, right? And so is Facebook, but we do have, we, we do feel drained from search engines and technology and everything coming at us. And there's so much information. How do you even find great events when you know no one? Um, well, I am an email newsletter junkie. So I go to like every chamber of commerce, meetup group, women's working group, mom's group, and I sign up for their email newsletters. That does not mean I necessarily read them all, but when my calendar starts to get a little empty on the networking thing, that's when I start reading them. And I open them up and I start seeing which ones have things that I'm interested in or if I have a certain question that I don't really have an answer for, maybe that you know, business lunch and learn will help me find that answer. Or maybe I can find someone who can help me find the answer. Um, and I just kind of, that's, that's how I approach it. And I, you know, I mean, Instagram's a great tool as well for that. That's how I found Meredith and girl sesh, you know, she started girl sesh on meetup. So that's another great one. Um, and also just kind of getting to know people like myself or Meredith or you or Jess Hughes. Um, find your tribe and they will kind of invite you along as well. I love that. No, that's great advice for people that need specifics. And I wanted to do a lot of specifics on the podcast because I read so many books and watched so many webinars. I'm like, okay, but where do I go? What's the website? Like, where do I click? Why do you just keep telling me to go find a networking event? Where the hell do I go to find a networking event? Right. And you're sitting there lost and confused at, at one point. And what's crazy is my, my sister's a millennial, my brother's Gen Z. And I'm like, oh my God, just Google the answer. Why are you asking me? And it's, it's so funny. It's not, it's funny. It's kind of funny, but it's not funny. They don't, they're, my brother was like, if I don't know what I'm looking for, how do I Google that? And so I was like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, okay, so let's say you wanted to find a tree, what the tree was. What do I Google? What's this tree with green leaves? And I was like, you know what? And you put it in your Google and it tells you. I did it with flowers in my front yard the other day. But I think they have so much information at their fingertips that they no longer know how to sort the information. So I think that when we offer specifics, they're like, oh, women's group. Okay, I'm going to go and find or hashtag or Instagram. And then now I can go look. Just like Meredith, when she wanted to start um, a group, she started her own and she invited other women to join. So Meredith, is that another recommendation you would give if you want to meet people? Maybe just start a meetup group and start drawing the people to you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that's a great way. Um, also I think that, you know, you have to, as Mag said, when she was trying to identify flowers in the yard, you have to observe, you have to really think about like, you know, he said, if he doesn't know what he's looking for, but he knows a little, he knows it like 
when I started, it was like, okay, I'm thinking I know that I want women. So we're going to start with that. And you, know, you just kind of keep building. Um, but absolutely, if you have the, if you've got a little bit of time to invest in, in building a community, uh, you don't have to use Meetup. I mean, you can even just do a Facebook group as well. And um, yeah, I think that's a great way to do it. Awesome. I love that advice. So my next question, and I ask everybody this, is mentorship. I I believe, and I think I've, everyone I've ever asked believes mentorship is really important. And some, you know, there's some people that have never had a mentor and are very successful too. Do you guys believe mentorship is important? And Maggie, I'll start with you. And then number two, very specific question, where the hell do you find one? <laughs> Where do you find one? Come to Sesh Coworking. We'll help you find one. <laughs> um, so for, for me, I, I've never really had one single mentor, but I have had people who have been in my life and guided me through different stages, um, even within running the business. And I think that's going to come from getting to know people authentically and offering them uh, equal guidance because there's there are things that you can teach people, even people who are more experienced or know more than you about the industry. There's still things that you can give them. Um, and I think offering that up, you can't just walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, will you be my mentor? They're going to be like, uh, maybe, I don't know. Like, who are you? Why? What? Um, so I think by getting to know them authentically and offering them a little something is a good thing. And those people that I'm saying that you might go up and be able to do that with, be authentic and offer them something. Most of mine I just met through networking, through events. Do you believe it's important to basically tell everybody what you do and what you're interested in learning? Or do you believe it's more important to listen? Because one has to be more important than the other. Mm. one. I, if I had to pick one, listen, because otherwise you're just shouting into a void. Um, even if, when you listen, you can understand better how to reach somebody. Um, and even, and I don't say this in a, in a malicious or negative way, but how to get what you want from them. And that doesn't mean taking necessarily, like I said, but it can be just how to give give them what they want and get what you want back. But you can never make that work if you're not listening first. I love that. And then Maggie, have you had, do you have a mentor? Have you had a, like a single or two, three mentors and where did you find yours? Um, I think I've had numerous mentors. Um, and I, <laughs> I seek them out a lot and I'm usually in search of an answer. Um, and I do it, whether it's through relationships that I've established through whether that's sesh or the chamber in New York or my husband's friends or other people that I know who have more experience than I do in whatever field it is, whether it's accounting or insurance or real estate, because I find that you're not going to know everything, right? And so if you can at least have one person in 
your kind of like lineup that can help you answer questions or at least point you in the right direction. That way you, you do have answers and you do know what you don't know. Cause I think sometimes that's like half the battle, right? It's figuring out what you don't know. Yeah, no, of course you don't. And again, it's also figuring out what questions to ask as you listen more, as Meredith said, so you know the right questions to start asking those people that you're surrounded by. And so then into development and leadership and self-development, what are your favorite books? I'll start with you, Meredith. What's one of your favorite books that helped you or like really changed you and helped develop you into who you are today? Definitely the book, Designing Your Life. And I cannot remember the author's name right now, but it was written by two Stanford professors who actually created a course um, at Stanford to help college students prepare for and design their lives for after college. And it became super popular and locals started auditing it and it just blew up and they ended up writing a book about it and um, they go around the country now doing seminars and whatnot. And that really helped me on my entrepreneurial journey because I was sometimes, well, okay, I'm going to put us into very generic groups and that would be the people who have not, they don't have any ideas, but they want to start a business. And the people that have too many ideas that want to start a business, I fell in the category of too many ideas. Surprise, surprise. I wanted to do, I'm like, I should do 600 things at once. (laughs) Right. Right. So I fell into that category where I just could not narrow it down. And I was really overwhelmed and very stressed out by it. So by reading that book, it allowed me to organize my thought processes and really identify what that one passion was going to be. And of course it was co-working, female focused co-working and running the flexible workspace. So, and but that's yeah. Book, it looks like by Dave Evans and Bill Burnett, right? Thank you. Yes. Yes. Sorry, Dave. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> and then Maggie, what is your, what is that book for you? Oh, uh, that's a really tough question for me to answer because I am one of those people who probably reads four or five books at the same time. Um, because I, That's so I, interesting. I love reading. I love learning. If I wasn't an entrepreneur, I would probably be a student for life because that's how obsessed with learning I am. Um, but off the top of my head, one that I read recently that I know that um, I think I shared with Meredith and she read, it's actually in our space. It's The Art of Gathering. Um, we read that right before we knew we were kind of locking into a location for Sesh. And it really kind of, in terms of developing our business plan and what types of events we would be hosting and how we wanted to host them. I think that really for the two of us reading it together in, you know, it, it gave us kind of a, a similar knowledge base. Um, Cause one of the funny things about Meredith and I, is we like to joke that we're like the, each other's yin and yang. Um, so. Totally are totally. <laughs> so what is the art of gathering about? Um, it's, it's about being purposeful 
in your gathering, you know? So yeah, you can have a happy hour networking event, but if you don't give someone an actual purpose or reason as to why they should come and have conversations with people there, um, you're just hosting another bland happy hour. So a lot of times, for example, when we host happy hours or networking events at SESH, there's usually kind of a overarching theme or there's a speaker or there's a reason why we want to attract a certain group of entrepreneurs or women. Uh, because if you don't give people that sense of purpose, when they do show up to those networking events, it is going to be awkward and they aren't going to know what to say. But if you give them an overall theme or question to be asking other people, it kind of takes the burden off of them and it really makes your events more successful. That's amazing. No, that's, I, I now I need to put, read that book. I just put it on my list. So Meredith, if there's one person that you super duper look up to that is alive today, cause we can't, we can't go back in the past and dig someone up. Who do you want to meet? Who's your goal person to meet? Ooh. Oh, Oh goodness. Oh, um, and they have to be alive. There's so many. They have to be alive so you can manifest it. They can't, we can't hold them. So, like, my gut says, it's like going through all these women in my head, but my gut is the person that I want to meet is tied to, there's a reason for it. So... The person is actually, it's a man and it's Guy Raz from How I Built This. And I want to meet him because I want him to interview me and Maggie mm -hmm. once Sesh blows up to this crazy takeover of the United States co-working concept idea. I want him to interview us. Okay, so done. I'm going to put that on my list for you guys. <laughs> Bucket list. Yes. And then... That, okay, so I love him too, Meredith. Amazing. And then Maggie, what's your answer? Uh, is it weird if I say that I don't have anybody? That there's no one that I really like. I mean, there's someone you, you there's someone, even if it's like a celebrity, I don't care. My person's Oprah Winfrey. I just love her. I just want to give her a hug and eat in her vegetable garden. But there's really no other reason. It, it it could be anyone. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not very starstruck. I've never been a super starstruck person. Um, okay. What about if you were like Meredith and you wanted to be interviewed by someone or be on a show or be in a publication, what would be your dream person or publication or place to be to talk about Sash or what you've built? Um, well, you know, I definitely want us to be in like all the top local publications, whether that's the Chronicle or the Houstonian magazine. And I want to be in them because they're interviewing us, not because we're paying for an advertisement that looks like an article. Um, oh my God. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, I think it would be really cool to be, able to be in some national publication, um, about how we as two working moms survived this pandemic and 
everybody was able to see why women do need a co-working space, um, why the amenities that we've built in are so important. Okay. Good answer. So then my other question to you guys is if you, when this pandemic, when, when we're done with this, cause we will be, we have, we will all come out of this and we will be fine. When you are writing the book of your life, what would your book title be Meredith? What would my book title be? It doesn't even um, have to be about your life. It's if, if you wrote a book one day, what would the title be? My title would be Overcoming. I love that. Okay. Why? Uh, well, you know, I think everybody has... Everybody has a hurdle. Some of us have multiple hurdles. Some of us have too many hurdles. They were given too many in life. Um, but for me, I think my I had a big hurdle um, in in becoming a new mom, and I had a crazy birth story that was really scary. And um, you know, I I from that just suffered through some depression and some crazy stuff that I wasn't expecting. And coming out of that was what put me on the entrepreneurial journey and path that I'm on now, because I, I thought to myself, well, if I can do that, I might as well just go for my bigger dreams and do what I really want to do. So overcoming. That's amazing. I'll read it, write it. I'll read it. <laughs> I promise. Uh, Maggie will read it because she reads like 10 books at once, so she'll put yours in the queue. Yeah, I'll, I'll dedicate it to you and Maggie. <laughs> Maggie will read it in the rotation. Maggie, what's your answer? Um, Babes Who Get Shit Done would be okay, the title. I already want to read this book. Why? Um, it would be called that because I think part of my story, you know, builds upon the women that are around me and that have been in my life and influenced me on the things that they have accomplished in their life and how I look at those accomplishments and remind myself constantly of them to be kind of like a stepping stone to the things that I want to accomplish. So whether it was, you know, my grandma leaving my grandfather behind in the Midwest um, because he tried to tell her how to spend her money. And she was like, no, no man's going to tell me what to do with my money. And she went to New York and went to nursing school in New York and then came back to the Midwest and married him anyways. Or, you know, if it was my mom having me when she was 21, divorcing my dad when she was 22, going on to lose her second husband you know, nearly 10 years ago now and like how she has like grown so much through all of that. Um, I just think it, it's amazing what we as women can accomplish. Okay. I want to read that book too. Whenever I ask people this question, by the way, people have really interesting book titles and concepts and I think everyone should write a book in their lifetime. Um, Okay, so the so we're gonna wrap this up because I know you guys are like full time moms and full time entrepreneurs. Um, 
Maggie, do you have one piece of advice that you want to close with for the the listeners? And also after that, please tell everyone where they can find you and connect with you. Okay. Uh, one piece of advice for the listeners is this in regards to business, the pandemic, what is this in, what is the advice for? It could be for anything, whatever you want to say to someone that's listening that helped you or could help them right now. Uh, no matter question. It's, it, it, it could be a deep question. It is a deep question. Um, I think one piece of advice that like I always give myself when I'm on the struggle bus is like, this is going to be a silver lining. This moment right here will be a silver lining. I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what that silver lining is going to be, but somewhere in my future, I'm going to look back and be like, oh yeah, I learned from that. That's why I'm here. So I think I love that that. reminder. Okay. And then Meredith. Um, The advice that I would give um, would be based on a quote from a Mo Willems book. He's a children's author and writes some really cute, funny books. And um, I don't know if this is the exact quote, but the concept is there. And it's basically, if you find yourself in the wrong story, leave. So if you find yourself living a life that doesn't feel true or right, you can change it. You can, you can rewrite the story. I love that. That's true. And and every day is a new day to do that. You don't have to ever feel stuck anywhere. I totally agree with you. I think that all this stuff is happening, but we're all going to get through this. And no matter what happens, you know, we're going to, we're all going to survive. I mean, I'm hoping everybody survives, but we're all going to get through this and we're all going to come out better than we were as long as we're trying to work on our, on ourselves. And then, um, where can people follow you and find you? You can plug your work, um, your business account, or you can plug your individuals, whatever you guys want to do. Yeah. Well, they can find us, um, on all the main social media channels at at Sesh Coworking, um, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter, LinkedIn, Mags. Am I missing any? Um, no. TikTok. We're trying TikTok. <laughs> TikTok. And your website is seshcoworking.com. Yes, seshcoworking.com. And if people wanted to come by and check the space out as soon as it opens up again, are they free to come by, check it out? What's Absolutely. the deal with taking a walkthrough and meeting you guys? Absolutely. They can definitely come check it out. Um, and we'll be there to give them a walkthrough, greet them, and show them what we're all about. Totally. And there's some awesome events there. There's networking events. You can make meet great people. There's always activities going on at Sush Coworking. So I encourage everyone to check it out because you're, you're never going to feel – Um, like you didn't get something out of every single visit when you go there. So thank you so much for joining me. I am so honored that you had so much time to talk to me. I know you guys are so busy and, um, I can't wait to talk to you guys again because this will be reoccurring. Thank you so much. Thank you.